Welcome to the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Vidala, and we're going to talk about music theory, lyric writing, creative productivity, inspiration, and more. I'm super excited to have you here, so let's dive into the episode. Hello, friend. Welcome to yet another episode of Songwriter Theory. If this is your first episode with us, welcome. If you've been here for a while, um... I hope this is yet another episode that persuades you to keep downloading and stay subscribed. Um, If you haven't subscribed, you should. You should subscribe. If you haven't left a review, even though you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, which means you must enjoy it, unless you're a glutton for punishment, which is possible, Uh, but I'm going to assume against that, you should go leave a positive review on iTunes, preferably. Please, iTunes. You don't need to um, listen to this on iTunes to leave a review on iTunes. The fact of the matter, as a non-Apple guy myself, unfortunately, I begrudgingly admit that the main, uh, most important field to get um, high ratings in is in the iTunes area. Um I begrudgingly admit that. If you have a great rating there and you start to grow a following there, you are set. Whereas the other ones are frankly just not as important. But um, if you have left a review elsewhere, thank you. And if you don't mind, if you could go leave a similar positive review um, on iTunes, that would be well appreciated. And I know I say this every time, but if there's... A new listener, if whenever you do decide that you might want to leave a review, if you feel like you can't give five stars for whatever reason, that's totally fine. But please don't actually leave a review because it will ruin, uh, you know, stuff with the algorithm and then fewer people will get the opportunity to see this podcast and then it will not give me the opportunity to improve so instead email me at joseph j-o-s-e-p-h at songwritertheory.com and let me know how i can improve uh things i can talk about uh to earn five stars from you i've not mentioned this in a while uh but we also do have a facebook group which we finally just sort of kicked off doing something with I had a little discussion the other day, Um, and that is facebook.com slash groups slash songwriter theory mastermind, all in one word. So if you want to get in a group where we can discuss songwriting, uh, there is the place to go. All right, so today, what are we going to talk about? We are going to talk about strong Melody chord pairings. And there's a couple of reasons we're going to talk about this. One is I think this is the kind of thing that is easy to not understand, but it makes total sense once you learn it, at least I would hope. Um, but, but also, it's just the kind of thing that once you start thinking about how your melody matches up with your chords... It makes such a big difference um, in your songwriting. Sorry, had to type something for a second. And 
that difference is just it's just going to keep paying dividends. And um, I also talked about this with a subscriber, Will. Shout out to Will, uh, who did a great job with a song that he sent to me. Uh, it's called Washing and Waiting. It's pretty awesome. Um, so shout out to you, Will. Thanks for emailing back and forth. Enjoyed our discussion. Um, and so f- from that discussion, I sort of thought of this specific subject, which is, again, strongest melody chord pairings. So what do I mean by this? Well, we want our chords and melody to work together as one, right? They can't be two totally separate parts. They are separate, but they need to work together. And if they don't, our songs are going to feel off. They're going to sound amateur. Um, and that's obviously not what we want. So we want to be able to manipulate and control um, what the melodic chord pairings sound like. And this is sort of part one, I guess, in in this. Because, to, because we're talking about strongest melody chord pairings, we're going to be talking about how to pick melody chord pairings that are consonant, which is the opposite opposite of dissonant. So these, we're defining strong today. I just want to clarify this right away. When I say strong, I don't mean strong as in like, that was a strong performance, kid. Like, not like that, where like, it's it's another word for good. When I say strong, I mean, you know how like we would say a one chord so like in the key of C, coming back to that C chord is like really powerful and strong within that key um, because it's the one chord, it's home base. That's sort of the strong that we're going for here, where it's where it just feels really pleasant and resolved. Um, and so that's sort of the strong that we're talking about. So we're not talking about strong as in good because... Uh, Dissonance used properly is what, and different levels of consonance and dissonance is what adds melodic interest to a song. If your whole song is completely consonant, it's probably going to be boring. You don't want that. Um, so if you simply, sort of the the thoughts we're going to go through today, if you adhere to them strictly, assuming strong to mean good, like, oh, I should always do this, um, your songs will probably come out Really, really boring. Uh, maybe not, um, but but generally, we create interest via um, sort of creating some tension. Maybe using dissonance to do that. Even even slight dissonance, um, just not perfect consonants. Um, whereas today we are talking about just the most consonant parents pairings you can have. So I hope all that made sense. Um, and if not, hopefully it will get clarified. There's basically two parts to this that we're going to go over. So the first thing is strength comes from agreement. So we need to establish where this strength is coming from, right? So it's coming from agreement or tonal agreeance. So what do I mean by tonal agreeance? Basically is that the notes of your melody and the notes of your chords are in agreement. The notes are not clashing. So think of it like a team. 
when recording this podcast, I just finished watching my beloved Broncos get a walk-off field goal and win. And it was very exciting because it was Drew Locke's first start. He's our rookie quarterback. I'm excited. I'm pumped. He looked really good early on. He flashed, which is what you want from a rookie. Uh, second half wasn't as good, but it's fine. This is his first start. He can be imperfect. It's fine. Um, but he's going to be our savior, and it's going to be great. So anyway, this is not a football podcast. I will mention it once in a while, though. So think of it like a team. If your star player is great but doesn't do his part to work well with his teammates, then the team's probably going to fall apart, right? Like you can't have your star going off and doing his own thing and doing something totally separate from the rest of the team. That's, that's not going to work well. Um, and then at, the, at that point, why even have a star, right? If your star's not going to work well with the team and that's what will create good results, winning, right? Then what is the point of having the star? So they need to work together. And that's where you get a great team because a great team is a team that works together as one unit. And a team is not a sum of its parts, which that part doesn't really have anything to do with what we're talking about today necessarily, but just throwing that out there. So your melody needs to work and agree with the chords. In other words, the strength comes from the melody note being one of the notes contained in the chord. That's that's the basic thing that I'm trying to say. So if you have a G major chord, it's a G major chord, G, B, and D, if you don't know, G, B, D, the strongest melodic pairings will be a G, a B, or a D, right? Because This is because your entire soundscape would then be built on the strength and the consonants of a G major chord. If you're singing in an A while the chord is in G major, it's just not going to be a strong pairing. Now, it will become stronger if it's sung over G sus 2, um, because a G sus 2 has a G, an A, and a D. Or G add 2, which has a G, A, B, and D. Because now the chord and melodic notes agree again. So, I'm going to sort of show you what I'm talking about here. Let's say you come to the end of a phrase, and you belt out a note. You're singing one note, and you're holding it over a chord. And we're going to use a G chord again. So we're going to go through a couple examples. And in the first one, I'm going to end on a perfectly consonant note, a note that is within the G major chord. I'm going to play the G major chord with my left hand, and then in my right hand, I'm going to do a little melody thing, and then I'm going to end on a note within the chord. And then I'm going to try it with the A, because I just mentioned how an A would not sound right with just a G major chord. Let me correct that. It could sound right, um, depending on what you're going for. Uh, again, purposeful dissonance is good. I am not saying that dissonance is bad. I'm simply saying for what we're talking about today, um, with sort of that perfect consonance and, and what feels like home, which you do need to utilize. You also can't be dissonant the whole song. 
because everything is from building and breaking and and ebb and flow. So you need you need both. Um, but you need to understand each individual one to to be able to play play with all the different colorations. Um, so anyway, and then the second example, I'm going to end on an A while playing a G major chord. So I'm going to give you a little preview of what I'm talking about. And I am taking my stand with me accidentally. So that, which I made up on the spot, so I ended on a B. Right, that sounds very consonant. If you're pretending that that right hand part, that higher part, the melody, is being sung, that would be perfectly consonant, right? Like that would just sound pleasant and strong. Right? Because it's all a part of the chord. Uh, and let's try it with like a G and a D first. So the other two perfectly consonant strong pairings. Whoops. So again, perfectly consonant, right? Again, perfectly consonant. Now let's try the A that I was talking about. So again, it does not sound bad, right? That doesn't sound bad, but it feels unresolved, right? So if I do, I don't remember exactly what I just did, but I'm going to do something similar again, and then I'm going to hold that A for a little while, and then I'm going to give you an example of where it feels like it needs to go because it feels not quite resolved, which is uh, sort of resolved and consonant is what we're talking about for strength today. So in that case, it is, by that definition, it is weaker in that it it, 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 it doesn't feel resolved. It doesn't feel consonant. It feels like uh, something needs to change. I don't know what it is, but something needs to change. Maybe the chord needs to change. Maybe the melodic note needs to change. Maybe it needs to go up. Maybe it needs to go down. But something needs to change to feel resolved, to feel at peace, to feel totally consonant. Right, so I resolved it to a G there, and that's you probably felt some sense of relief a little bit, and you're like, ah, now it's it's all together now. Uh, I also could do that with a B or a D, because again, the B and a D are in this G chord. So that was a B, right? Feels resolved after that A, just feels like it needs to go somewhere. There's the D. So hopefully you're hearing what I'm talking about there. 
where that A just, like, it feels like, ah, it's not quite done yet, it's not quite resolved, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? There's some, there's some slight dissonance in there. You know, it's not huge. It's not, it's not that. Right? Like, it's not that level dissonance. Um, but you can tell that it's not perfectly consonant. So, typically, especially when you think of notes that you're going to ring out, like if you're going to belt a note um, that feels resolved, that's when you want to utilize these pairings. You want to use a note that is within the chord. So let's look at our second point here. And I'm going to have some sort of clarifications and other little things to uh, talk about. So strength comes from the number three. So the strongest chords are triads. Three note chords stacked in thirds. If you don't know what those are, go back and listen to the podcast. Uh, I have plenty of podcasts on this stuff. Uh, but basically, a triad, again, is a chord stacked in thirds. So you have a C to a third to an E, and another third to a G. So that's a C major triad. Um, or to go back to the G major, we have, again, three notes stacked in thirds. G, third to B, third to D. And that is the G major triad. So if you reduce the number of notes to two, the chords tend to become more vague and mysterious. And if you increase the number of notes to four, the chords tend to sound more colorful. They have more of an intrigue to them, if you will. Uh, but they're less resoundingly powerful in consonant. Um, which, again, is not necessarily a bad thing. I utilize these other things all the time. In fact, I have a whole podcast on my Why Dyads Are Awesome. Uh, that's not quite the title of it, but uh, if you find the podcast with the word dyad, that's the one where I'm talking about dyads and how useful they are. Um, a brief summary uh, would be that the beauty of dyads is that they're so vague, you can you have so many more melodic options over them um, compared to with a triad or with a four-note chord. Um, you're, you become more and more restricted with what you can do melodically. Um, that's the gist of it. But go check out that podcast. It'll be helpful to you if you didn't listen to it before. So three-note chords are that perfect blend of consonant and powerful without being vague. So two is, is a little vague and mysterious because you don't know, is this a major chord or a minor chord? And it doesn't quite have all the information. And then with four notes, you have extra information, uh, which adds that flash of color. But again, it's less resoundingly powerful in consonant because now there's a little more intrigue, interest to it. So if you wanted to pick a triad in the key of G, because we're working in G today. I know I do C a lot, so I figured I'd do G. Uh, another simple key. Uh, basically, it's all the um, white notes of a keyboard except for F sharp. It has an F sharp. Um, so G, A, B, C, D, E, F sharp is the key of G. So if you want to pick a triad in the key of G that was very strong with your A note, according to sort of how we've been defining strong, you could use a D major chord, right? Because a D major chord, 
or D major triad, has D, F sharp, and A. Right, so there's that A. This is the five chord of the key of G, and five chords are always very strong chords. If all of that didn't make sense, uh, some good news. I have a free guide that will lay out all these music theory things that you might be like, what on earth is he talking about? Five chord, uh, triad, uh, thirds. What are these thirds he's talking about? If you don't know what I'm talking about, and you're confused by this podcast, and you're like, I feel like he's giving me useful insight, but I have no idea what the heck he is talking about. If that is you, I have good news for you. You can go to songwritertheory.com slash music theory guide. All one word. Musictheory.com slash music theory guide. Which music theory guide is spelled M U S I C T H E O R Y G U I D E. Um, and I will have the link in the description to that guide. That will lay out the different things that I've been mentioning that I take for granted that you understand, um, which is basically keys, intervals, and some basics about chords and also this chord progressions in there. So it's an awesome guide that will take you from, like before you read the guide and after you read the guide, you'll go from you could know nothing about music theory to knowing everything that I really think you need to know as a songwriter about music theory, which is really big picture four things. And I break down all those four things, give you easy ways to memorize the things within the four things. Um, so go check that out. Totally free. Uh, my gift to you for being a listener. So go check that out if you haven't. It will help clarify this podcast a lot. Feel free to pause this podcast. Go get that down. Go get that download. Follow the directions in the download of how to best learn from it. And then after you you've learned it, come back and re-listen this podcast, and it'll make more sense to you. So, back to what we were talking about. If you have not paused to go get your awesome free download, that is super helpful. And I wish I had it way back when I started songwriting early high school. Would have been very useful. Um, and that took many music theory classes to boil, to learn all that and boil it down in a very simple way. So you're welcome. But anyway, so talking about key of G with that A note that we wanted a strong melodic pairing with, or sorry, melody note, melody chord pairing with. And in the key of G, we have a D major chord that contains an A, because it has a D, an F sharp, and an A. This is the five chord of the key of G, right? Because if we count up from G, we have, excuse me, we have G, A, B, so that's the third, um, C, fourth, D, fifth. And the five chord and keys are always very strong chords. So that would be a good choice, right? If you want to sing out your A note, let's go back to that A note kind of melody. Whoops, I did an A chord. One second, let me do that again. 
right? So now it's perfectly consonant again, because I'm playing a D chord, which contains an A, and then playing the A. That sounds perfectly consonant and pleasant. Uh, the A chord also would work, and that was actually the second one I was going to talk about. Um, it would be an A minor chord. In the key of G, we have an A minor chord, which is the two chord. Two chord is a um, less, it's fairly commonly used. Um, a little less so in like pop music and stuff, but it's still used. Um, and the two chord would be A in, G, in the key of G, right? Um, it's A minor because in major keys, the second chord is always minor, A. Something you would learn from that music theory guide if you got it. And also, we know that because in the key of G, I already laid out all the notes, right? We have, we have, all of them are the plain notes, not sharp or flat, except for F sharp. So we have A, C, and E, which we know is an A minor chord. And if you don't, again, go download that free guide, and this will all make sense, I promise. Um, so... We could also use that two chord, the A minor, which I already played that accidentally the first time, but I'll do it again on purpose this time. Right, so that's consonant. And then, yes, technically, the other chord, the other triad, the other main triad that you have that contains an A would be the F-sharp diminished, which is the 7 chord. But 7 chords, I, I think I did a podcast where I talked about this. Uh, don't use 7 chords, basically, unless you really know what you're doing, because they almost always sound terrible, and you have to kind of know what you're doing to make them not sound terrible. So just don't, don't use 7 chords, which would be an F-sharp diminished chord in the key of G. But technically, that chord does contain an F sharp, an A, and a C. So it does contain the A. Now, let me give some clarifications here. It should be noted, I am not saying you can only sing notes contained directly in the current chord. So you aren't restricted to only have G, B, and D in your melody while you're on a G chord. Which you should know, because if you've, not if you've been paying attention at all... The, it's pretty clear I'm, I'm playing some descending and I think ascending notes. I don't remember. I don't even remember what I keep playing. I just think I play more or less the same thing every time. Uh, similar thing. And uh, when you have ascending and descending notes that are right in a row, uh, you have to know that's not in thirds. Therefore, you know I'm playing other notes other than G, B, and D. Right? So let me just do that real fast. Right, so I just played through all the notes in the scale, right in a row. And it sounded fine, right? And those weren't all notes that were in the G chord, right? I played all the notes in the key of G. So I, I even played that A that we've been talking about. Um, the key here is, is what kind of note and when um, you're, you're landing on it. So... If it's a note that you're sort of 
grazing over. You know, it's some, it's a quarter note, or it's an eighth note, or something, where you're not, like, resting there. It's totally fine to play the other notes. In fact, you should not only, like, if you're on a G chord... Like, you shouldn't just... that That's using literally only the, the notes in the G chord. Like, that would make your songs really boring really fast. Um, so you need to use other notes. But, you'll notice, like, with that, right? I, I, I did all the notes. G, A, B, C, and D. Um, but I ended on the D. And really what we're mostly playing with here is notes that are held, that are meant to feel like a phrase is complete, something is complete. That's where you want to make sure that your chord is locked in with the current melodic note. That is where you should be noticing this, not thinking, okay, I'm playing a G on my guitar, therefore the only notes that I can sing while I'm on this G is G, B, and D. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what you should have heard. Because again, I just played, um, in one of those things, I mentioned I played every single note in the key of G while playing a G chord, and it sounded fine. It sounded good even. Outside of, you know, not exciting melodically, because I literally just went up the scale. The key is where you're resting, where you're holding out notes. So let me give you a few examples in case you're still a little confused. All right, so that phrase, right, I ended on a C which is not within the G chord. And I'm still playing a G chord down here, so I'm just going to stay on a G chord. Um, and it doesn't sound, sound bad, right? It just sounds unresolved. Like, you want me to resolve to this, probably? Resolve to that. That's that's the B, because that's within the chord. Or, alternatively, we could change the chord to be a chord that has the C. So I could so I'll do an A chord and then I'll do a C chord um, as examples of um, two of the chords that contain that C. So that's going up to the A minor, and that's, again, perfectly consonant. So I just changed the chord, and now we're in that perfect consonant rule again with the note that's being held up. And that's with a C chord, which again, obviously, obviously the C note is going... Um, 
to be consonant with a C major chord. And again, both of those chords, A minor and C, are in the key of G. So, I hope that this has enlightened you a little bit. I hope you've learned something. Um, and if you haven't, I'm sorry. Just kidding. But, um, no, really. Um, if you found this helpful, leave a review and shoot me an email, joseph at songwritertheory.com. Um, I've heard from a couple of you and, uh, as those people can attest, I will absolutely go back and ha back and forth and have a discussion with you. One person, um, or, or maybe both people, uh, give me ideas of what to talk about and I am happy to receive ideas of what to talk about and happy to talk about those things. So if you have something specific that you want me to cover, be sure to let me know and I will do my best to try to cover that. might not be able to get to it right away, uh, but I certainly will try because I am here to help you. Otherwise, I'm just talking into a mic once a week for no reason whatsoever except because I think it's fun, which I don't want to just be talking to myself. Um, so I want to talk about what you guys want to hear, of course, to do with music and specifically songwriting. So let me know. Lyric writing? You want more on that? You want more on melody writing? On chord progressions? Music theory? Let me know. I want to know what's helpful to you. And again, let's just quickly go over what we talked about today. So we're talking about strong melody chord pairings, strong being defined as consonant, right? As you hopefully heard at the end, you heard that like, ah, this feels resolved, this feels strong, I could belt this note with this chord and it will fit and it will not, it will be very consonant, it will not be dissonant. Um, and again, we're not saying dissonance is bad, Dissonance is fantastic. I love dissonance. Um, but it's something to note and something you need to have a mix of consonance and dissonance. Know what you're doing. Know what causes consonance and dissonance and how to create each one. And that's how you can utilize them as the tools that they are. So we said strength comes from agreement, right? Your chord needs to agree with your melody note. So the melody note should be within the chord that you're playing. And then strength comes from the number three. The strongest chords are triads, three-note chords that are stacked in thirds. Um, because dyads, which are two-note chords, tend to become more vague and mysterious. And uh, four-note chords, or chords with more notes than four even, will sound more colorful, but yet less resoundingly powerful and consonant. Which again... I'm not anti those things. I love those things. I use the crap out of... I, I love having coloration in chords uh, with four notes and sometimes five notes, and I love dyads. I have old podcasts on dyads. Go check it out. They're awesome, especially if you want to write killer melodies. Dyads are your friend. There's a reason why uh, a power chord in rock music... and Well, I shouldn't say rock music. In music in general, the power chord is very common for guitar. And a power chord is you just using the first and the fifth of the chord. 
So that is a dyad. Power chords are dyads. There's a reason that they are so often used. Um, for, there's many reasons. Um, but one of them is they are dyads and they give you a lot of room to work with melodically. So again, not against those things. But as far as the most powerful, strongest melody chord pairings you can get, a triad and then holding out a note and picking a note that is one of the three notes within that triad. Again, if you were confused by any of this, if any of this you found confusing and you're like, I'd, what does he mean, like this triad thing? And, and how did he know what notes were in that key? And when he says key, what does that mean? And five chord, seven chord, two chord, what the heck is that? Um, if you were confused by any or all of those things, go get my free guide. Link in the description on this podcast. Um, and it is at songwritertheory.com slash music theory guide. Totally free. My gift to you as a thanks for listening. Even if you have listened to just this podcast and you said, nope, never going to listen to another one of these podcasts again because that guy's personality is repulsive and I hate it. You can still go grab that. My free gift to you. No hard feelings. Again, if you do enjoy this podcast, go rate it on iTunes. If you feel like you can give it five stars, if you feel like you cannot give it five stars, shoot me an email. Tell me how to improve. Joseph at songwritertheory.com. And I will talk to you again next week.